This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honestly often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. I'm Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. And today we are discussing Scream Queen Barbara Crampton. And for a chat, we are joined by another Scream Queen. You may know her from her previous appearances on our show, talking <laughs> Mia Goth and Barbara. Another Barbara, Barbara Steele. Mm. Mm. It's Katie McGrath. Welcome back. It's me. We're coming for you again, Barbara. <laughs> the sequel. The sequel. <laughs> and uh, before we talk, Barbara Crampton, we should acknowledge, Katie, that uh, since you've last been on, uh, you've gone a career in the, the film industry. Oh, yeah. It's um, my COVID destiny has kicked in fully. I'm <laughs> a COVID queen, apparently. Yeah. First you had COVID. And yeah. And you stopped people getting COVID. Now anti-COVID. And now I just want to save the world from COVID. So, nice. so you've been working set. on TV shows and movies and sets and some yeah, pretty so, big stuff. Yeah, I was on Kin. That was fun. Then I went on to Magpie for like a little while. Then I was drafted up north to do Dungeons and Dragons. That's amazing. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been exhausting, but fun. (laughs) Let's go on to Barbara Crampton. Andrew, do you want to run down the history? Sure. Barbara Crampton was born in Long Island, New York in 1958. She began acting in school plays at 13 and went on to study acting at Castleton State College in Vermont. Early in her career, Crampton moved to L.A. where she made her TV debut on the popular soap opera Days of Our Lives. In 1984, she was cast in Brian De Palma's Body Double, beginning a long and storied career in the horror genre. Reanimator was her first collaboration with director Stuart Gordon and actor Jeffrey Combs. She teamed up with Gordon Combs again in 1986 for From Beyond. In the same year, she starred in Chopping Mall, a film that by Crampton's own admission involves very little chopping. (laughs) After co-leading Stuart Gordon's 1995 Castle Freak with Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton noticed that very little meaningful work was coming her way. So, still taking bit parts here and there, she began to focus on her marriage and family until... In 2011, Crampton was cast in Adam Wingard's You're Next, beginning a revival in her career. Barbara Crampton has acted consistently in the horror genre since 2011 in films and TV such as Rob Zombie's The Lords of Salem, We Are Still Here, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, Channel Zero, The Dream Door, Sacrifice, and Jacob's Wife. Jacob's Wife. Jacob's Wife. <laughs> <laughs> the latter of which she also produced. Leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> Crampton's most recent work includes the film King Knight, an episode of Shudder's revival of Creepshow, and as the character Mom in the video game Back for Blood. Yeah, last year when we covered Jeffrey Combs on the podcast and, you know, we watched Reanimator and From Beyond, I think I watched Castle Freak, I was really struck Mm. by what impression Crampton left in those movies, even when her characters weren't particularly deep or well written. Mm. (laughs) Oh God, no. I I think From Beyond gives her a lot to do in that, like, she undergoes, like, a big transformation in the movie, but in Reanimator she is kind of relegated to being just the kind of gorgeous victim of Herbert West's and the undeads. If she wasn't so likable, I'd agree with you. That's what I mean. Yeah. She's so goddamn likable. Mm. It's so it's it, so charming that yeah. in all of her roles, she's got this charisma that just shines through. I think oh, that she's makes so her nice. Mm. I know. That's literally like, in every interview she does, she just comes off as the nicest person. Yeah, she's just got so much energy and just like the right level of tongue and cheek in those movies, mm. and it's just clearly game to just go out there and yeah. be, go yeah. surreal, which those movies do. And uh, I don't think other actresses have that. But uh, I think you end up really caring and liking her characters because of her performances and yeah. the um, love that she clearly has for the medium. And uh, we talked in our last episode about how legends of horror cinema are often cast in newer horror movies, in cameos or in yeah, small roles. Yeah. It's kind of the tip of the cap yeah, to their career. Yeah. But uh, I think what makes Crampton interesting in that respect is that since she returned to acting, um, I think the movies she's made, they may not be as iconic as Reanimator from Beyond, but they're still good. And I, I think she's actually had her best roles in the last couple of years in things like We Are Still Here and Jacob's Wife. And yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. she's had yeah. such like a steady 
incline of like growing as an actor and as a person. I think in like Reanimator, she literally keeps saying that West refers to her as like a bobble-headed co-ed and mm. she's just a distraction to Dan. Yeah. But um, she kind of starts off with that and then slowly goes up the, gets her own autonomy later in life, which mm. is fast forward to Jacob's wife. And I think she's kind of grown with them and picking roles that are a bit, I think she gets, she's just matured as an actress and she's mm. like, I don't need to take all these stupid roles anymore. Yeah, and uh, she's never worked as hard as she has three movies in 2021 yeah, already. Yeah, and yeah. She is a full-on workhorse of an actress. And it kind of shows like it's not always glamorous and it's not always nice. So she just picks roles and she's got to, you got to pay the bills, you know? Yeah, that's true. She's got such a big soap career as well. So soap and horror kind of go weirdly hand in hand with yeah, the melodrama, mm, I think, yeah, that she does with it. Yeah, extreme emotions kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So they're very similar. I didn't re-watch the Stuart Gordon clubs, but I know you did, so do you just want to... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's do yeah. it. Take it away. So, Barbara Crampton plays Megan Halsey in Reanimator, the daughter of the Dean of Miskatonic University Hospital and girlfriend of Dr. Dan Kane. When Dr. Herbert West, who's played by Jeffrey Combs, moves into Dan's spare room, Meg is instantly suspicious of the arrogant, death-obsessed doctor. She's soon proven right when she finds herself in a living nightmare full of headless perverts and reanimated corpses. I think this will be just... Fine. I have my things outside. Shall I move in now? Uh, look, I have to go. I think you and Mr. West have a lot to discuss before you decide anything. Oh, I've decided. Well, I'd you like You know, for... you'll never even know that I'm here. Dan... Except, I... of course, on the first of the month. Mr. West? Miss Halsey? You didn't say why you left Switzerland. Uh, there was no more I could learn there. Do we have a deal? Yeah, so I think Meg is like the real audience surrogate yeah. of um, Reanimator, and she's just a very sweet, charming girl who just wants to, who just wants the best for her caring if very dumb boyfriend. Very. Despite dumb the boyfriend. fact he's a doctor, like the man has no common sense. It's like yeah. Dad just just exit stage left Dad. Like, why is she wasting her time yeah. with Dad? Yeah. He is useless. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it's the only truly good and pure character in both a H.P. Lovecraft adaptation and a Stuart Gordon film. She has to suffer the most. Like first, her dad is killed, reanimated, and then lobotomized, so he becomes a really stupid zombie <laughs> instead of just angry. And then she's kidnapped by the reanimated corpse and head of Dr. Carl Hill, who's played by David Gale, who attempts to uh, assault her uh, with his severed head's tongue. And finally, she's strangled to death by a reanimated burn victim, only for Dan to reanimate her and the result be so horrifying, it's never shown <laughs> at the end of the film. Yeah. Um, when I was watching it, I was struck by how much Barbara Crampton reminded me of like Drew Barrymore in Scream or like yeah. um, Sydney, uh, you know, Maddie Hassan in Malignant. And I think calling Crampton the, like the blueprint for these kinds of characters it might not be quite right, but I think there are a few other actresses in horror who work a blonde bob cut like she does and <laughs> had, that have had as much impact as Crampton has. That hairstyle is has, re- has really lived throughout the years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The lob. Um, I think Reanimator is like famous for its like buckets of blood and guts, uh, as well as its drier than desert air sense of humor. But for my money, Crampton's like responsible for its lasting impact because West is too arrogant to actually like, even <laughs> if he is funny, and Dan is too dumb to sympathize with. You're like, this is like it's the kind of thing you watch on screen. You're like, yeah. why is he making these decisions? Is he really that stupid? <laughs> Where so Meg, Meg tries spends the film trying to love and support Dan despite his incompetence, and all she gets is grief. Um, and without Meg, there's no lasting emotional impact to Reanimator, which is something every good like non slasher horror film needs if it's going to like stand the test of time. Yeah. And that's basically that's also why people don't really talk about the Reanimator sequels like Bride of Reanimator or um, whatever the third one was called. I watched it last year and pff, 
What are your thoughts on Reanimator? Can you do, do you like I it? love Reanimator. I just <laughs> the second it starts from the end, I'm just yeah. like, this is a bit of me. It's the psycho soundtrack at the start. It's like we're not even gonna pretend to yeah. change it. <laughs> yeah. We're just gonna steal it, love it. Yeah, West is a freak, love it. But it's weird because it's a type of film that I relate to in a doubling renting crisis. How low you have to go just to be like, look the other way. Your yeah. roommate's insane. <laughs> yes, he's reviving dead animals, but you know, I never he's thought paying about the bills. That, yeah. You know, he's paying the yeah. bills. But, it's um, actually about the perils of being mm. a young professional. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Barbara does kind of add this emotional, the only emotional mm. weight to the whole goddamn film because every other character is the most unlikable <laughs> piece of, of shit. Bitch. Yeah, like, even her dad is just kind of creepy yeah. in a the weird way. The dad's friend is the worst. Yeah, like yeah, everyone is yeah. just creeping on Barbara, and it's like yeah. give the girl a break, give her a little break. But she kind of starts off with these kind of dam- damsel in distress roles, and then kind of matures. And from beyond where she's a goes from a sexy lady to a sexy doctor woman mm. with glasses. With glasses, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, because they do kind of She's s- smart now. Yeah, she's smart, <laughs> so she has glasses. They do swap in that Jeffrey Combs in Reanimator is the mad scientist mm-hmm. and Barbara Crampton is the sort of damsel in the stress, where it's kind of the opposite in from beyond. Yeah, yeah Reanimator and I think from beyond they really go hand in hand together as quite good doubles. Because mm. all the mirroring that kind of keeps swapping and then it's like I think of like Reanimator's the green film. And mm. from beyond is all about the pinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Although I always found it weird. It's like, oh, we've got interdimensional entities and they make you sexy. What is with multiple like parallel universes and BDSM and shit? Like, I don't... Why do they go so well together? I think that's just Stuart Gordon. Yeah, yeah that he's is. Putting just, his... He's like, putting his, needs more leather. <laughs> yeah, it happens yeah. in a lot of movies, though. Event Horizon is sort of similar in that like, they go to hell and it's just like loads of BDSM. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And Hellraiser as well. Hellraiser, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Kind of Candyman in that he's kind of like, oh, the pleasure of death. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, it's dying. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, weird movies. Yeah. And Castle Freak is is kind of technically a H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. That's true. Yeah, yeah. His famous remember. tomb, Castle Freak. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of consider Barbara Crampton as like the ultimate like bride of Lovecraft. Like she's in so many. Yeah, yeah. Goddamn Lovecraftian remakes and all this. But she kind of. The Sacrifices one as well. And yeah. That was only a couple of years ago. Inspired apparently. by H.P. Lovecraft. Really weird. Based on a short story by one specific person and then says, ins- but also inspired by the works of H.P. Okay, Lovecraft. Right, yeah. You want to get them coins, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Seaside New England town, ancient deity, Lovecraft. Yeah. <laughs> Tentacle here yeah, and there, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Slaps it around. I'm actually curious what you think of Castle Freak because that was the one that I was like, too gnarly. Not in- I loved Castle Freak. Yeah. I enjoyed it, yeah. Um, I think... Uh, well, she plays um, Susan Riley, who's like the estranged wife of John Riley, who's uh, Jeffrey Combs again, uh, who's a recovering alcoholic who has an inter- inherited an Italian castle. Um, and while taking an inventory of the castle to sell it, their blind teenage daughter Rebecca comes to believe there is someone else living in the castle. A freak, perhaps. <laughs> Stuart Gordon, he's no Dario Argento, but it does often feel like the female characters in his films get the short end of the stick. They, they don't always die, like, uh, from beyond, she doesn't die in that. Castle Freak, she doesn't die in this. But they certainly, they certainly go through a gauntlet. Yeah. And in fairness, most of Gordon's horror pictures are adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft stories, which have very few survivors and very few women. So kudos to Gordon for making sure there's equality between men and women when they find themselves in mind and body breaking situations. And Susan gets off pretty lightly uh, compared to the rest of the, rest of the women in the film. You know, she only has to have her boobs on screen once, as opposed to the Italian prostitute who gets her yeah, horrible. Susan gets to keep most of her clothes, both her boobs, and perhaps more, most importantly, her life. 
I love yeah. how she was like, I figured it out. I know how to distract him. I know yeah. his weakness. It's like, whips out tit. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> so original. <laughs> the distracting nature yeah. of boobs. Yeah. <laughs> this evil freak with a mi- micro penis is like, <laughs> I don't yeah. think he has. I think it's gone. Like, yeah. I thought I got chopped. You never see it enough, you know? I think you do. That's actually I think why I didn't a, like the movie. I just didn't right, see the, the penis. Yeah. Not enough micro You saw yourself in it, yeah. did you? <laughs> That movie is just sort of, I feel it is trying to be actually very serious and like a family drama, but mm. then also has all this horrible stuff on yeah, top of it. Yeah. And it's a bit like, and Jeffrey Combs yeah, feels like kind of, he's more in a reanimator mode than the more serious family drama. And I yeah, feel like the tone yeah. is weird in that movie. Yeah. It's kind of like the least campy of all of his great classics. But I love how bloody it is. I'm like, yes, more blood. But I think what's so good about reanimator and from beyond is like, they are the perfect, I think the perfect ratio of horror and comedy. Yeah. And it's just as like, Evil Dead's kicking in, but I think they're kind of a precursor to Evil Dead on yeah. the scale of like horror to comedy. And then kind of later with um, Nightmare on Elm Street, they're kind of like the early mm. mid ta- mid 80s yeah. like precursors. I think they're good to watch in the prism of knowing like, yeah, before like this time, everything was so tame. And now yeah, this is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. even if it's problematic. Yeah. It's like great after, that they weren't being censored. After, you know? after the head gives head scene, you're, you're turning to... Um, whoever you're watching with no listen no don't leave it's a boundary pusher wait come back <laughs> yeah, no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you just get right to the tip and then yeah, it's like yeah. this is where we're gonna cut now yeah but yeah. The, that trilogy of movies well maybe more reanimator and from beyond i think is just barbara crampton will work forever yeah on the, yeah. On the yeah, lowers yeah, of those yeah, things yeah. being a part of it you i know? think it's super brave to do well i think she wasn't meant to be the first lady i think the first lady dropped out yeah and then um she was like oh fuck it i'll do it well, god bless her <laughs> yeah. she's yeah. not afraid of nudity that's what i like yeah. she's a Empowered lady. My yeah. favourite kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we move on to her other big 80s horror credit, uh, Chopping Mall, oh, which I watch for I this. You love it. I love Chopping oh. Mall. It's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. I would love to be locked in Blanche. fighting <laughs> for my life with these little little hoovers kind of attacking me. I'd love that. Yeah. Oh, Blanche. Look, so for, specific. For, <laughs> yeah. for those who don't know, it's centred on a group of young Shopping Mall employees, including the popular Susie, Peppa Crampton, who stay behind for a late night party in one of the stores. But when the mall goes on lockdown before they can get out, the robots who function as the shopping market security system malfunction and go on a killing spree. So what do you say? You say go out and have a good time. Oh, all right. That is bitching. Boy, I wish I had it that easy. My parents still think I'm a kid. Why do I have the feeling I'm going to regret this in the morning? Look, Allison, you've had yourself a very rough first week. Mm. You owe yourself a little blowout. Come on, it'll be fun. Okay, and just so long as I don't have to look at any more pizza. Oh, you won't, I promise. Oh, great, this is going to be wonderful. You won't regret this. I bet. Chopping Mall is such a good name for a slasher set in a mall. And just, the fact that it's about robots who lack the function to chop is weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah they a, kind of laser people to death, mm, I guess. Yeah. Like, there's a pew, pew. bit in, um, in Search of Darkness, that five-hour horror oh. documentary on 1980s horror uh, on Shudder. That's uh, Barbara Crampton was like, yeah, it's a film called Chopping Mall, but they there's no chopping involved. It's about robots. And she just goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shrugs. Yeah. 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 Which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Which, uh, I haven't seen the film, so I'll let you, you haven't guys. seen it? No, oh, no. So Katie, I was trying to, but I couldn't find I'm it. I'm kind of mixed on it, but you tell it's me why it's, so, why it's good. I just love how stupid it is. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do on a Friday or Saturday night as a teenager? We're going to drink in the fucking furniture shop. Of course, because it's perfect, because then you can have sex in all the beds, and then the two little nerds that aren't, right, they do, they're watching yeah. the television, and <laughs> it's like, 
everything at your disposal. It's perfect. I love all that stuff. It's just literally the the moment the robots start attacking you. It, it's it's very funny in its first half an hour and kind of charming. And then once the robots start attacking, it kind of stops being funny and kind of isn't scary. Or and it's not action packed because the robots are very they, bulky. And move. <laughs> they move at very snail's pace. It's like yeah. a metal. It follows. Like it's slowly gonna catch you, but when it does, oh, watch it. Paul yeah. Blart's chopping mall. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't. I that just came to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I enjoyed about the first thirty minutes of it is that all the characters in the movie pretty much are like archetypes. Like mm-hmm. you know, there's like the jock, there's the nerd, there's the wallflower, and like most of them are played just so broadly that it's very endearing. Like there's that guy who is the jock who's just constantly like chewing gum and has this <laughs> shit eating grin. Like, yeah. Uh, it's kind of it's really funny to watch but I think that Crampton in that area portion is like the character who seems the most layered in that she's yeah. she's sassy she has a boyfriend she's gone to this party she seems very popular and confident and I think she's invite she invites her sort of nerdy she, shy yeah. friend to the party and I think that could be manipulative in that like she's inviting the friend so that her boyfriend's nerdy friend, they can those two nerds can go off together those and then they can sleep. Cute together. Kids can play together while we have sex. Yeah. But like it doesn't feel like that. You're kinda of like, oh she wants her to get out of her shell, you know? And like if the robots didn't attack, that night would have went great. Yeah. And it would have been a class night. And you really I don't know, there's bits of it where like they'd have the running joke where it's like, it is babe, isn't it? When they say it in unison, the two friends. <laughs> that it actually feels like a joke that two friends would have. And mm-hmm. I think the she has good chemistry with her boyfriend. There's that scene where they see each other and they keep just going high in more seductive ways until they start kissing. Like all that stuff is really well observed and I I was like, Oh, Barbara Captain's really cool in this movie. But then the minute all the robots start attacking, I think the movie does her dirty in that. Yeah, she gets... She just becomes like a coward. Yeah. <laughs> and she starts off so brave in it. Yeah. And then it slowly, she kind of just descends down and then she kind of gets not a great death either. It's just a very like, agonizing, yeah. the worst death where she gets um, set on fire and dies slowly. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's the chopping? Yeah. yeah, I just, I don't know. I thought that there, there was that, like just enough nice little details sprinkled into her performance at the beginning where I, where I was like, oh, I believe in this person even though this like primary is like yeah, really like, stupid and ridiculous whereas I don't know the minute everything started going to hell and then she was off with a half an hour left in the movie mm. I was a bit like I don't really care anymore. I fully thought she was going to make it I thought she was going to be the gal yeah like mm. a plot twist but it's like we can only have one strong female yeah, character yeah, yeah, even two, there's yeah. a female mechanic who mm. gets just kind of off to very casually as well oh yeah there's a whole I forgot about the mechanic people I need to rewatch Chopping Ball <laughs> <laughs> it's not that good no I remember I watched it last year for the first time because it was just I heard about it and I made my roommate watch it he was like why are we watching this I was like because it's robots and they're chopping people I think the best thing I'll say about what it what more do you want is, is that <laughs> If you're searching for those 80s vibes where it's literally set in a mall, it's got this like electronic score, it looks quite nice, mm. fun sort of like 80s stereotypes. It's like that, not distilled at all, no stranger things. It's like, this oh, yeah. is the real shit yeah, for like yeah. 30 minutes and it's, it's pretty good. It's like there's no glamour to this mall. It's just a regular old mall. I think they actually filmed in a real mall. They did, at and night. And had to wait till yeah. it closed, yeah. Which is kind of bad. Just like Jackie Chan's police story. It <laughs> <laughs> filmed on them all? Yeah. Well, the ending was. Oh, great. Oh. Yeah, we move on to the resurgence post You're Next. Yeah, she does these like 80s, 90s films and then kind of stops. Works in soap operas and yeah. then at one point she's... has a family and then yeah. gives yeah. up acting. Yeah. Don't think she's like old enough to be like the mommy role. Like she's like sexy doctor lady. I know she's a mother in Castle Freak. But then she kind of just stops like, I think they have to wait till she gets a bit older. Mm. Which is very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no then, roles for women between the ages yeah. of 40 and 55 exactly. in horror. Like, yeah. You gotta age up like a yeah. fine wine. 
And then, um, yeah, she's in your next and she plays Shock Horror, a mother. Sadly, though, she's not in it for that long. No. Which yeah, bums me that's, out. That's because I bought the Blu ray a couple of months ago and was watching it. And, like, I'm not really that into movies where, like, the slasher villain or villains take off their mask and it's like, oh, they're regular dudes with military training. It's like, but why can't they be an evil entity in a mask with a knife? You know, why can't they? Why can't they be supernatural like Mike, Mike, more, like Mike Myers? <laughs> we need more shapes in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, or Jason Voorhees or something like that, you know? I suppose we need variety, but um, I do like the movie. Um, I love your next. No, like, I, I didn't rewatch I it for really, this because yeah. she has such a small role. Yeah, I, I, like, I don't like Hush, put it that way. Do you don't like Hush? No. I really like Hush. Look, oh, it's, uh, you should watch Hush with my mom and then you'll like Hush. <laughs> She's yeah. like jumping out of the fucking chair. <laughs> well, I watched it on my own, so maybe that's that's yeah. the problem. But uh, with Your Next, I think is like the best of those kind of movies where it's like, oh, the, the villains are regular dudes. But with they're weapons. very nasty. Oh, they are very nasty. They're oh, yeah, yeah, they're not yeah. just like, yeah. just didn't pick them off the street. Like, they're obviously like bad people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I also think what's great about your next is that the new woman who's come to the house, the girlfriend, it happens to be like a survivalist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's great. Like it's got like two big twists. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? survivalist yeah. who actually loves kicking the shit out of people as yeah. well. She is halfway through the film. You're like, you don't need to do this. Like, you've already <laughs> knocked him over. Like she, you've done it three times. Like he's he's out. But she's like, no, I need to bash that fucker's head in. The blender bit. So yeah, the, and the blender. I was like, that's a bit excessive yeah. for self defense. It's a bit excessive. Yeah. But um, how is Crampton? Does she leave much of an impression? I literally, to be honest, I have to say, don't remember her. In the Not movie. really. I it don't think. Feels like some of her stuff was cut or something. Yeah, it, like, it's the, there's like traces of like better character there than it then actually appears on screen because she's really nervous. She's very anxious. She seems to suffer from anxiety or something. Yeah, I think she's on some kind of pill. Yeah, they keep yeah. being like, mom's on medication. We yeah. can't drink. But then like they are all drinking at the yeah, party, so yeah. they don't really give a shit about mom. Yeah, and um. They obviously haven't been together in a while, but you don't really. No one really explains that. Yeah, they clearly don't get on. Yeah. All of this, all of the brothers hate each other. If we had a bit more time with Crampton's character, I think the start of that mo- of the movie would be much improved, and we'd actually, you know, care a bit more when mm. her character dies. I think she, does she die off screen? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. They walk in the room, and she's just got like a. I don't know if it's like a harpoon or something, but yeah, yeah. she's just, they're like, we're going to put mom to bed because she's like freaking out that her daughter just got chopped <laughs> with the wire yeah. thing. And um, they just put her off to bed and then they come back and she's dead. <laughs> what if Succession was a horror movie? That's yeah. what I was thinking when I was watching it. Yeah, it could have been juicier for, I think, her character. But I think that was her first big comeback. Yeah. yeah. And yes, it was like a mother role. But I think from that onwards, like every role she's kind of taken, she has evolved there's been a lot of bad ones I have to say mm. later like but that's just working you know yeah. you can't yeah. really and there's this great Random Roles profile of her where, and if you you know like this podcast you should check out the AV Club's Random Roles yeah. where they basically interview character actors and go through their career it's great mm. but um, there's one with Barbara Crampton where she basically talked about that when she came back into the horror community everyone seemed to know each other and like I think the person who directed We Are Still Here Ten Gagan yeah. he worked on Your Next mm. in something I think with two of the marketing of the movie and mm. then he basically pitched her his script while they were doing that yeah. or after they worked on it and then that became maybe her most meaty role mm. ever yeah do you want to break down the oh, thought sure, of that? Oh, sure, yeah. Barbara Crampton plays Anne Sachetti, a grieving mother who moves with her husband, Paul, who's played by Andrew Sensenig, to rural New England for a fresh start after their son's death in a car crash. Little do they know that the house is haunted by vengeful spirits from the 19th century. I know you think it's silly, but I really can feel something here, Paul. 
So what are we gonna do about it? What if Jacob and May came up for the weekend? She told me once that people pay her to do seances. This house has an energy all its own. We don't need to find the darkness here, Paul. It's everywhere. I, I don't know what the budget for this movie was, but I, I would guess low because it does feel a little rushed. Like it's, it feels like um, Ted Gagan had like a more, maybe a bigger idea, something closer to Hereditary, maybe. You know, about a mm. movie about grief or something. Not exactly like Hereditary, but like a movie about grief. It has. I was actually thinking of Barbara Crampton's performance reminding me a little of Tony Collette's mm. in Hereditary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for, like for as much creeping dread and good scares and like gore this movie has, it does feel a little rushed. And I think as much as I like a tight 90 minutes or under film, something like We Are Still Here like demands more time just to really kind of thrash out the themes. And I think Hereditary had the time to mould itself from dysfunctional family drama to a pretty gnarly horror film, uh, even though I've, I've kind of I'm not as hot on it as, as I used to be. Um and We Are Still Here doesn't have that time and is forced to kind of rely on Crampton and Sensenig to sell the story and its themes while also pushing really hard on the scares too. And it, I'm not saying it'd be better if those were separate, but I think it'd be better if there was more time between the like kind of dramatic scenes and the scares. I feel like this movie is caught between like wanting to be like a serious kind of horror drama about grief and trying to move on after your child's death. And then Larry Fessenden shows up and it's like, <laughs> all right. Friend of the pod. Yeah, from friend of the pod, Larry Fessenden. It's like, all right, um, where's, where's this going? <laughs> yeah, it, it's got this very weird structure in that it begins, like the first seven minutes of the movie before the title reveal are kind of audacious in that they're almost dialogue free. But even though we don't know anything about Crampton and her husband, mm, yeah. uh, just the way Crampton carries herself, we know they've suffered this terrible loss and she's struggling to cope with it. And she's just got this like deadened look with, um, she's got all red around her eyes. Yeah. And it's, it looks like she's like out of tears because she's cried so much and she's just emotionally spent. And like it, this movie is a thing I love where it's the all like cold, snowy countryside winter setting, which yeah, is just yeah. ASMR to me. Like yeah. watching that when you're cuddled up on someone. But it, the Black Coat's daughter. That's Black one Coat's like daughter. That. Even yeah. like the driving scenes, and I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, knock yeah, me right out. I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> sleep. Just some watching cold, very like the thing. Even watching something really cold while you're cuddled up in bed, or like warm, or yeah. like in a blanket. The best. Cozy woes. But yeah. uh, it's kind of like that setting. Watching someone get ripped apart. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, where's that cocoa? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even that's that setting though seems sort of um, I don't know like a metaphor for what's happening inside Crampton like she's mm. just dead Ooh, <laughs> and like I Baron like after losing <laughs> her Someone son did film studies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just even before you know anything about them like nothing is said explicitly you just know that they've suffered this terrible loss and also there's that little, nice little detail like you see her and her husband drinking separately him at a bar and her at home yeah. and it's just a little detail but automatically you know that like he's able to cope with this better than she is maybe and it's putting a strain between them and i think all that stuff is really well observed and what's what reminded me of hereditary is that like the first time crampton seems properly animated is when she finds the cracked framed photo of their son and is like he's here he he never liked that photo Mm, which is really creepy uh and she's i think she says like another great detail which is like he used to hide it when girls came over and it's like that hope has given her a renewed energy and sense of purpose. And it reminded me of the scene in Hereditary where Tony Collette and Anne Dowd are doing the seance mm. and they make contact with what they think is Charlie. And Tony Collette doesn't like scream. She like smiles. She's like, ah. Yeah, yeah. I had a similar vibe to that. And I think from that point on, as you say, like the movie gradually becomes more genre-y mm. and, you know, it, its focus shifts to Lisa Marie. Really good in the movie. Mm. Uh, Tim Burton's ex. Her and Larry Fessenden play Crampton's characters, seance-conducting friends who come to stay at the house. And 
they I think they feel a bit more rooted in reality than what you might expect, but they do open the door to more like overtly horror stuff. But that's before like the villain of the piece, uh, played by Monty Markham, who's really good. Uh, he just kind of takes over the movie for mm-hmm. the full on insane, like bloody, violent Lucio Fulci yeah. head exploding finale. Yeah. But uh, the bit where he calls at the bar and just shoots the new waitress because he doesn't know her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. He's like, damn yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, I think while the movie is often like thrilling as a horror, I think it's Crampton's mostly silent work that makes the film feel as emotionally impactful as it does. And I, I think if it just wasn't for just even that like sharp, concise work she does in the opening 10 or 15 minutes, uh, I don't think it's ending, which is oddly beautiful given yeah. all the carnage that happened yeah. before. <laughs> I don't think it would hit as hard or resonate. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, she she's a, does a very good job of playing Anne as a woman who's like desperate to do anything to contact her son and find some kind of sense in his meaningless death. And uh, I don't really know what that has to do with all the carnage beforehand. Uh, <laughs> presumably nothing. Maybe these characters have been driven insane by seeing ghosts come back from the de- from the dead and rip people to shreds that they believe they see their son. That could do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, listen. Yeah. yeah, that's the part of the movie I think is a bit rushed is the backstory of the ghosts in the house Mm, where I'm still even a little bit confused as to who they are in that like it seems like the place was always evil Mm, and they were victims of it but I'm also like yeah but why are they the ones who seem to be terrorizing everybody (laughs) little bits like that and I think they they could link the horror stuff a little bit better to the dramatic stuff but I just think it's a really good textured horror movie with like great performances like and just the fact that it's even like I don't think they ever explicitly say but it's set in the 70s and even just the the fashion and style and (laughs) all the characters is really great seeing Larry Fessenden show up like he's just stuck his finger in an electrical socket is great (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Damn, I watched so many shit Barbara Crampton ones. That sounds really good. Yeah, it's great. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. And it's like, uh, well, I think it, it goes to what we're saying, but a breezy 76 minutes. As you heard in the intro, this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts. There's plenty of other great shows to check out on the network. Here's a taster of one. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Why can't I not say podcast? Hello, I'm Gerald Farrelly. And I'm Neve Kavanagh. And we have been friends for very long time. And that is what we are offering you on our new podcast, Agony Rants. If you need a support group and want to tell us a secret. Or if you need someone to champion you or just cheer you up. Or maybe even some advice. On how to burn down a house or blow up your life or get revenge. So send your secrets, stories and problems to agonyrants at gmail.com. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It sounds a little suggestive, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, it was a little bit. It's very Cadbury's Caramel Bunny. <laughs> I Know That Face are also delighted to finally get to tell listeners about Headstuff Plus. Headstuff Plus is the one-stop shop for everything on the Headstuff Podcast Network, Ireland's largest podcast network and the one to which I Know That Face belongs. If you're a fan of I Know That Face or any other shows on the network, become a member of Headstuff Plus and get bonus episodes of Heads of Shows, other exclusive content, merchandise, early access to live events, and lots more. We here at I Know The Face have already recorded a handful of bonus episodes where myself and Andrew talk about more current news and releases in the world of film and TV. But also in the future, we have plans for more actor-themed series as well, along with releasing episode outtakes, accompanying articles, etc. All for Heads of Plus subscribers. To sign up to Heads of Plus, it's just €5 plus fat per month, when you sign up, no matter what show or shows you are supporting, you still get access to everything. All the bonus material for all the podcasts on the network. A lot of great podcasts. Plus, by doing so, you'll be supporting I Know The Face to bring you more top material. 
For all the details and to sign up, visit headstuffpodcasts.com. And now, back to the show. Katie, do you want to hit um, Beyond the Gates or December, one of them? Yeah, I watched um, Beyond the Gates like last week and it's fine. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty bad. The only thing good <laughs> in it is Barbara Crampton who plays this kind of Elvira character on the television. So she doesn't actually do a lot except mm. smirk and kind of like um, smiles with her eyes a lot <laughs> and kind of play the game. But she's worth it. It's kind of like a nice homage to like 80s nostalgia that obviously Barbara was like the queen of back in the day. So it is a nice little homage. You kind of, it just takes along. You don't really know why the game is choosing them. It's kind of like a Jumanji, horror Jumanji board game that kind of takes these two brothers. There's a lot of good deaths in it though. It's a lot of blood. There's a lot of head, heads do explode as well, which is you great. You love to see it. You love to see it, love to hear it. And love then to hear that pop. The little <laughs> 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 and then Death Sember is um. Is it a Christmas movie? Yeah, it's like movie? T- yeah, shocking. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's really 20, long. It's, Color me surprised. Oh, it's very long. It's like twenty four short films. Oh um, wow! Yeah, and a lot of them are not the best. Barbara Crampton's segment is um, her just stealing children. I can't really remember it very well. And then another one I watched to hers was Reborn. It's not very good, but Barbara Steele's the best part of it, and she's got a meaty role as... Barbara Steele's? I thought we were oh, talking shit. about Barbara Crampton. Barbara Crampton. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. We're off the rails. My barbers are yeah. confusing me. But, um, yeah, it's a kind of a very meta film where she's this kind of aging actress, and she doesn't get a lot of roles, but there's, like, this emotional block that keeps her from, like, really getting to the meat and potatoes of this some, some new role that she wants to audition for. Um, and then you kind of find out that she has... She had a stillborn daughter 16 years ago in a very weird cameo. The mor- the mortician brings back the little baby like with the power of electricity and um, keeps the baby in a cellar for 16 years. The more guy is Chaz Bono. Random. <laughs> yeah, very creepy. Who's random. Chaz Bono? Chaz Bono shares child. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, like a very, it's a very strange cameo. And I was like, good for you, Chaz. But then the kid kind of gets out and then is looking for its ma. And then, you know, the kid for some reason, oh, has powers over electricity and metal and stuff. And she keeps trying to force this relationship with Barbara Crampton. And she goes to these acting classes that she gives and they kind of have a relationship. But then it gets revealed that she keeps murdering people that piss Barbara off. She's kind of like Barbara's bouncer, which is fine. But the, the CGI, the budget kind of dips with the, the murder and stuff. Like someone just gets a pole to the head and it's like, eh, that's just an accident. Yeah. You know? But yeah, Newborn is, um, I only really like the meta quality of it all and how it kind of reflects her career as this former Scream Queen. I mean, she also hates that title, I think, as well. Ooh, sorry, yeah. I said it, Barbara. Yeah, it's very good. And she kind of unlocks this inner, this kind of new level of like acting by dealing with her formerly deceased child that is now running around killing people that kind of annoy her. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. yeah. Wild. It's not one for the books <laughs> no, now. No. Well, we move on to Jacob's wife. Yeah, or Jacob's wife. You never know. It might be a silent Jacob's J. Jacob's wife. Yeah. Barbara Crampton plays Anne, the wife of Jacob, who's played by Larry Fessenden, a small town minister. After an encounter with the vampire known as the Master, Anne begins to change, lending Jacob, leading Jacob. Jacob to fight for the wife he took for granted. Yeah, uh, Anne is like a woman whose opinions, words and life come in second to those of her husband and basically everyone else. And... Um, Yes, she gets bitten and just starts acting real weird. She starts buying blood from the supermarket butcher. Acting weird um, or empowered, Andrew? She wants emancipation. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jacob. 
happened with you? No, I, I didn't want to do it. I was being controlled. This isn't me. It isn't me. Well, who is it then? Something happened, Jacob. What does that mean? Something happened. The when? day that I met with Tom, I kissed him, okay? Oh, but then. I really liked it, Jacob's yeah, wife. I liked it a lot. I, d- I did like it. it I did now. like it. Yeah. I, I think it might be the best showcase for Crampton's talents. In yeah. that, I think like we are still here. Her character Anne has a lot of meat in just just in the few brief scenes at the start. She has this like intense facial expression during her husband's sermon. You know, mm. her quietly examining her aging face with like melancholy yeah. in the mirror. Mm-hmm. The way she suddenly shows frustration. <laughs> the way she suddenly shows frustration when her husband talks over her during that scene with the cops, and you just immediately understand that her character is holding on to this sort of bubbling, mm-hmm. growing resentment this for her husband. Pure rage mm. yeah. that boils within this woman. She just comes across as this little church mouse yeah. at the start, and you know that mouse wants to just attack that man. Mm. Like she, he keeps interrupting her all the time. She can't finish a goddamn sentence. It's so annoying. And then she gets this opportunity. Well, I don't know if it's like <laughs> intentional yeah. to get attacked by vampires. Yeah. Although but the she's master cheating does, on him, I guess. The master does pitch it as sort of like, I saw so much potential in yeah. you. Yeah. Her husband just completely takes her for granted and she kind of has this inner journey that goes from this little church mouse to this bad boss lady. And when the second she becomes a vampire, she's like doing all the things she wanted to do, like drink blood and put on a sexy little dress. And she just starts moving furniture around, which I think that's really what she wanted to do. She just wanted to, like, take control of her life, move some furniture around, dance with some lamps, just have a little bit of a bop. Yeah. Mm. I think that's the key scene in the movie. Which is so cute. Like, Yeah, <laughs> because I don't even think that like, her husband is cruel. It's just that he's kind of complacent. Yeah, I think yeah. both of them are quite complacent in their yeah. own lives. There's a line at the end where she's like, you don't know how to fight for me because you've never done it. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much a neat, neat little bow on this package. Although, one thing I will say that I thought of when I was on my way to get the train here is that these characters are like, kind of like the parents in an 80s horror movie. But yeah. like, it's told from their point of view. Kind oh, of. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. very... That's Even very though this movie isn't set in the 80s, it's like... Um, and they, well, they don't have kids, but like... A lot of 80s horror movies would like be from the point of view of the kids, mm-hmm. teenagers or college students or whatever, young people. Uh, but you never really see that perspective uh, in those movies from yeah. the parents. That's true. It kind of reminds me of Natalia Dyer's parents in Stranger Things, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Because the dad in that seems really detached and the mom is sort of flirty with the younger man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so you have all this kind of sharp character work at the beginning where you kind of immediately understand this whole woman's life. But then once she gets bitten by a vampire it kind of becomes like a wish fulfillment narrative for her yeah. and like I think it's using kind of supernatural horror elements to show what might happen if a submissive wife overnight became like the more dominant person in the yeah. relationship and like I think it's a really witty metaphor and I think like those Stuart Gord movies Jacob's wife is quite camp in that like you're meant to take it seriously but yeah. you're also sort of laughing at it yeah yeah, yeah there's yeah. some really good <laughs> there's some really good gags and I think when she kills the neighbour yeah, and he walks in. and She's like, oh, I don't know, it wasn't yeah, me. I don't know yeah. what to do. Yeah, and actually, <laughs> I had rips his head off. Yeah, yeah. Like a, <laughs> and the line is, something happened the day I met Tom. I kissed him. Okay, that's what she says yeah. as an explanation for her eating the neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the line delivery is yeah. great. This is a movie where people have like a serious conversation about their relationship while burying a body yeah. <laughs> or preparing yeah, to yeah. fight a vampire. It's like the juxtaposition of the kind of mundane and the fantastical or the horrifying is kind of what's funny. Yeah, and. 
I think because Cranda has such good dramatic chops, but is also a regular in schlocky horror movies, mm-hmm. I think she's able to make her character somehow feel like a real person undergoing this transformation into a more powerful version of herself and like calling her husband on her shit and like yeah. reclaiming her confidence and sexuality while at the same time never forgetting like it's a fun vampire movie and mm. embracing the campiness. And I think the perfect example of her doing both is that incredible extended scene where you know, her character is like dancing around the living room to mm-hmm. this rock and roll song, drinking a glass of blood like it's wine and, you know, just strutting with a confidence that was missing in her life up to that point. But at the same time, she has like enhanced strength and is like lifting sofas and is like doing yeah, the room yeah, up. Yeah. She's just Marie Condoing herself. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny. And that's even before she uh, projectile vomits all over the room because yeah. uh, it's <laughs> the animal blood doesn't agree yeah. with her. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really sweet film and... It's funny, it has the emotional weight attached to it, even because at the root of it, like all good horrors, it is just like this strained relationship. Like all good horrors, their family dramas and horror just happens around them. Mm. I think that is sometimes it might be lacking in. What was that other film we were talking about? We are still here. Yes. Mm. I think this is kind of like it happened two seconds ago. My short term memory is fucked. <laughs> um, but I think Jacob's wife uh, really emphasizes that, and they have these little moments. Obviously, the relationship is hard, like not horrible. It's just kind of stale, I think. And then she becomes a vampire and it kind of kickstarts this weird passion in her and therefore in the relationship. Because it's easy. I think the master wants her to just like kill Jacob and become a master yourself. But she's like, I actually love him, Mm. which kind of adds. It'd be so much simpler if she just killed Jacob. But she doesn't. And I think that it's good. You don't really see it in horror where people are like, let's just try work it out. Usually you would just she'd be empowered, kill the man and move on. But they're kind in and of out in a quick eighty minutes. Exactly. <laughs> like, but this is a ninety-six minute film. Yeah. <laughs> As I get older, I find that's like the hardest thing: not Life. becoming complacent. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, all your relationships in your work, whatever. Just trying to keep, oh, right. keep yeah. busy yeah, and keep working. Yeah, yeah. And I love that he's not abusive. Mm. Not, it's more just more that he's kind of selfish and, yeah, and a yeah. bit like only thinks of himself. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit where like um, they're going to. I think they've just buried their neighbor's body, and um, she tries to like argue with him on a point and he's like given the circumstances I think I'm being quite reasonable (laughs) (laughs) he's great in We Are Still Here and in Jacob's Wife Mm. as well they're really good together Um, I also just want to shout out the line in um, Jacob's Wife after the final showdown with the vampire um, who turned Anne one of the cops who's standing by who witnessed the whole thing he's asked by his superior how he's going to ride it up and he's like "Uh, domestic dispute (laughs) (laughs) great and um, just cops being cops I suppose just to like sum up I I think when we were talking about Abel Farrar's The Addiction in the Louis Taylor episode like just when you think that there's no more life in vampire movies a new one comes along where you're like vampirism is a potent metaphor for a lot of different things (laughs) oh yeah and it's just um and it's just great to see kind of these elderly, not they're not elderly, sorry, middle-aged, Jesus mm. Christ, these middle-aged, <laughs> these ancient, people. <laughs> these ancient unemployable people yeah. um, get these really meaty roles and they get to, and I love the scene where they're like sharing a joint and they're kind of finally getting on, I guess. That's yeah. the first time you see her laugh properly mm. and like he seems a bit more relaxed and then there's a scene, usually where like when she cuts his neck, the master cuts his neck and like, go kill him and she doesn't kill him and they end up having like, it's very passionate sex. You're like, you go, Barbara. Yeah. This is so refreshing to see yeah, it's later true. in It's true. me just like, it's how rare you see people of that age having a, a hot yeah. sex scene in a movie. You know? <laughs> and it's like, they have the, like, they're fighting, but they're also like making up and having sex and then fighting again. So it's such a roller coaster of emotions. Mm. It's not just a A to B. Also, really good last shot of the movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Because it's very good because the master ends up being this lady and kind of only turns other women who kind of need a little boost yeah. and she kind of just kills the men but like will turn 
the women into vampires, like Amelia. Jacob's wife, you stay. Jacob, sashay away. Exactly. <laughs> and um, she kind of gives her the opportunity, but Jacob, I guess only people, people don't change that much. And he takes that opportunity from her yet again. And mm. she's like, are you fucking serious? Mm. So they kind of come to this compromise. Yes, they love each other. But then the final scene, you're kind of like, this isn't going to last. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, it's like we love each other, but can we stay together? Yeah, like yeah. he yeah. doesn't want to give too much, but she now won't take she's only going to accept from what she wants from now on and then you're like who's going to win mm. isn't there a bit in the movie where the master literally says don't you want to be more than just Jacob's, Jacob's wife yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the movie that's the, line, yeah. the head title uh, it's great and uh, Jacob I should say Jacob's wife is streaming on Shudder now uh, alongside this other movie which uh, I'll just mention briefly called Superhost which only came out a couple of weeks ago oh. and it also features Crampton in a small role uh, it's basically a slasher about vloggers who review Airbnbs who <laughs> stay in the house of a crazy woman Okay. and Crampton has a small but pivotal role as a former Airbnb host the vloggers gave a bad review to and they kind of tanked her business uh, it's not a great film or like even a particularly like scary one but its premise is like good and funny and I think despite being made on a very low budget manages to be pretty entertaining and must throw up a bit of tension and uh, it's also very short and doesn't overstay its welcome either has a really good villain although I, I, it cramped is only in the movie for like five minutes mm-hmm. so I could have used a bit more yeah but then, so then this year she's a Jacob's wife super host and then she's also in Sacrifice which dropped on Prime Video this mm. year did you do you watch I did that? watch Sacrifice it's not it's fine it's just it, another run of the mill Lovecraft inspired film she doesn't have the best Norwegian accent I don't think oh, I can ever listen I, I to love... the word who's Bond again <laughs> well, I loved it because it did you murder her it reminded me of Andrew because she plays a Swede, a Norwegian <laughs> she plays a Norwegian cop in the movie and she says the word murder like, like a million bro- times in, mm. a, in a it's murder who's Bond and murder like it was fada fada and it was just <laughs> like Who's the dialect coach here? Like, for God's sake. But yeah, Crampton is kind of, yeah, again, the only really good performance, yeah. I think. Obviously, the lady, uh, I think, what's her, Sophie Stevens, the Emma character, the one who's pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, she's she's also really good. But yeah, you're kind of only really watching from Emma Crampton, I think. See, I, I think this movie's really flawed, but yeah. I, I did like its vibes a lot. I, I would, it would almost push me to recommend it just in terms of, I think some of the filmmaking is quite good, but I feel mm. like they're working with like a very limited budget. Uh, yeah, I'm always here for a folk horror. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll sit down. I'll but, only complain slightly. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I'm here for it. Anyone in like white linen coats, I'm, I'll be there. Yeah. But basically, uh, after his mother's death, the main character, Isaac, and his pregnant wife return to his birthplace on a remote Norwegian island to claim an unexpected inheritance. But during their visit, the couple discover dark secrets from Isaac's past and their pleasant trip quickly turns into a nightmare when Isaac and his wife encounter a sinister cult that worships a sea-dwelling entity. Wow. That is a striking piece of art. Oh. Yeah. That's been... um with my family for generations. Oh. And what does the writing say? Tres Gugans Alstrantu Sintinadea. Old Norse. Oh. The tree of the shadow on the shores of the house of the dead. Okay. But that's a lot to wrap your teeth around, so... We just call him the slumbering one. The slumbering one. Mm. In Sofandi, local myth. Iceland has its elves. Ireland has leprechauns. 
The rest of Norway has its trolls, and we have this lovely fellow. The filmmakers ended up shooting the film for one third of what was planned. Ooh. And oh, I, that makes sense. I actually thought like it looked really nice. Like it has the color palette of certain scenes mm-hmm. really pop. Like there's a lot of like pinks and purples and reds, and there's a lot of stylish yet eerie scene transitions. There, there's this bit where Isaac is getting baptized by the locals in this sort of pagan ceremony, and while he's in the water, he seems sort of hypnotized by this like glowing light in the water that is meant to, I think, is implied to be this this the the slumbering, the slumbering man. one. Yeah, yeah great name for uh, <laughs> a Cthulhu esque yeah. monster. But he's in the water, and then someone's like hand goes to pull him up, and the camera moves with him. But when they come out of the water, it's just him at a dinner table and is like day in a daze. Little cool sea transitions like that, and I, I think there's just enough smart visual panache that adds to the movie's dreamy moody atmosphere and i think there's some like funny or fun creepy thematic stuff going on like before the locals realize that isaac is actually from the island originally they treat him really badly like he's a dumb american oh the american versus european debate Uh, i thought was very so good like he goes into this bar and restaurant with his pregnant wife and he says to the barman like do you speak english and he just gets so much sass and then when isaac asks what food do you have the barman replies in this like mocking u.s accent we don't serve chili dogs and pizza if that's what you want (laughs) and then they get into this weird debate about calamari yeah it's like is it a fish or invertebrate yeah yeah it's great scene and um but then what's creepy in that scene is like the minute they realize he has this connection to town everyone in the bar starts being like weirdly overly mm-hmm. apologetic and nice like they're like you're isaac uh drinks are on the house uh they get this man whatever he wants <laughs> like, all the fish yeah and um i think there's just something creepy about the idea of the movie from the perspective of the pregnant wife that the, the plan was just to go to norway sell the house quickly and return to the u.s but then just after a few days yeah i'm sorry you're not selling the house in five weeks especially <laughs> one norway. where a murder took yeah, it's like not the murder house no but just the fact that like within three days isaac is like i don't want to leave i belong here i have nothing in america and she's like what about like family and our friends and yeah isaac all... seems like the character that would just like he's into like fads and stuff like he'd have a beanie for a few weeks and then Ooh. Try to go a man bun. Like a ho- yeah, a man yeah. bun, maybe a hoverboard as well. Yeah. Like he's very like, oh, this is like your Norwegian phase. Classic. Get into whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Because- Have an affair. <laughs> <laughs> because the movie is like set in Norway and is about a cult, you, you do get those runoff kind of midsummer uh, wicker man vibes yeah. a little. Yeah. Like nothing is... It just, You're it, not really bringing anything original to the table yeah, here. <laughs> it just never quite gets there, to quote Andrew, Andrew Frey's. I understand that. Thank like, you. That is so Thank like. You. Yeah. Yeah. I think you were talking about antiviral when you said. I that. think I was talking about a lot of movies when I said that. <laughs> but um, you don't think antiviral gets there? No, no. I think it gets there and then doesn't stop getting there, and then <laughs> we're like four stops too. Like we're on the bus too long. I just could have used a bit more body horror. That's all I really mean mm-hmm. when I say, I say it, 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 it didn't get there. Mm-hmm. Which is like sacrifice noticeably like really doesn't get there in that like yeah. <laughs> it keeps hyping up this tentacled beast and we see glimpses of it in dreams uh, that the main characters have and you you fully expect to see the whole thing in the finale and it's just not ab- completely absent no, <laughs> it's really, really odd and it's like oh the twist is we're gonna kill a different person yeah and that's it and you're like okay well then what was the point of it? Like you don't really—it doesn't explain. Step forward, Jack Rayner. Yeah, like it doesn't really explain. Like where? Why is the bear there? It doesn't explain <laughs> the dad, the murder before about the dad, and like why does Isaac go mental? Like, is it in his DNA or it's is a, he just? It's. I think it's more placebo for Isaac. I think, but they don't really sell it either way. It's just—it's very, very vague. Very and... vague, and it's kind of shit, and then. Emma's just kind of stuck there I guess they won't let her leave either yeah the, that's kind why? of the punchline of the movie where Barbara Crampton's like you'll get used to it and, <laughs> but it's like why do you yeah. want this person mm-hmm. if you're not going to kill her or like yeah you it, it needed another 
30 minutes of like maybe just even like Donald Pleasant showing up to like mm-hmm. e- exposits yeah. and stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I'm back from beyond the grave <laughs> yeah. uh, and I just it really suffers in comparison to like other movies that adapt or kind of riff on Lovecraft like mm-hmm. Color Out of Space or In the Mouth of Madness or The yeah. Void yeah, just on Cranton, undeniably best performance here, playing <laughs> Renate Nygaard, the sheriff for the island who may or may Renate not be the town's cult. Uh, I thought this was really good about the AV Club, where they said that what they thought was fun about Crampton in the movie was her very obvious decision to lean in and out of the Norwegian accent she's rocking, based on whether she thinks the line plays better with or without one. Because sometimes yeah. she's hitting it really hard, where like... Your father was murdered. <laughs> I was like, are we watching Fortitude right now? Like, what the hell is happening? And um, then she's just like a regular American police woman in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like all the performances we're talking about, I think she's really good at being able to convince at face value as a police detective in that like key seat, revealing this kind of awful news while at the same time operating on this like higher camp plane. Oh my God, yeah, that seems so good where she's like, I'm here to talk about the murder. And, and he's like, Isaac's what? like, what murder? <laughs> yeah. My father was murdered. He has no idea what she's talking about. And she's like... He's like, are you talking about the fish in the bar? <laughs> yeah, and immediately she's like, oh, I thought you knew this stuff. I feel terrible about this. This is not a good welcome to the community. And there's this great bit where he's like, where did she do it? Like talking about where her mom killed <laughs> yeah. the dad, and she's like, "Your foot would be resting on his head." And then the camera pans in, and there's like a massive blood stain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, we couldn't get the stain. Yeah, out. she's like, "We tried our best to clean up, but some stains you can't." And then she takes a long pause and goes, "Wash away." <laughs> and then like she invites him over to her house for dinner, and then she's incredibly like uncop like and like acting really friendly and totally different. Yeah. And what's interesting about her performance in the movie is that like all the locals are just weird or just assholes right away whereas I think Cranton manages to feel like a little bit like maybe this is just something lost in translation maybe this is just the way they do things on the island but then also <laughs> you're like oh, no, the, 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 she's definitely in on it like there's a little bit of tension there I don't get a ringleader vibe off her but then she kind of ends up being the ringleader mm-hmm. I think by default because no one else seems to have the character development <laughs> yeah. to go the whole hog but um, yeah she is kind of the most sympathetic to Emma but then it's also like you're not leaving (laughs) (laughs) deal with it odd movie I I can see myself revisiting it just for some of the as I said the vibes Cramptonisms yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, some of the colours it's inspired by H.P. Lovecraft felt more like a jello to me with some of the light yeah it's very the lighting and stuff which I love I love a good pink moment but um yeah, I just think it's, I'm just getting a bit bored of like bad Lovecraftian inspired films. It's like just because there's a tentacle in a fucking sink, that yeah. doesn't make it Lovecraft. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or a light at the bottom of water. It's like, oh, that's really original. We really have a dearth of good Lovecraft adaptations. <laughs> it's <laughs> either, it's like a tentacle monster or like a triangle. That's really it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andrew, do you, you mentioned In Search of Darkness, but do you have any kind of greater thoughts on that? Not so much about the first film, but... There is an extended sequence in the second film, which is also five hours and also on Shudder, if anyone has that kind of time. In Search um, of Darkness is actually a whopper documentary. They are very I good. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think the second them. one kind of suffers a bit from being uh, like going a bit too niche or something. Like oh. it feels like there's... Go go nicher for me. Just keep going. Yeah. I'm, I'd, like when you've got the wrestler Chris Jericho explaining <laughs> um, Cannibal Holocaust, it's like, <laughs> all right. Uh, make it make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Um, kind of a Holocaust streaming on movie right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, yeah, right. Um, is it on movie? I, yeah. It used to Stop. be. Is it still, still on? Still yeah. there? Yeah. Jesus. 
Um, but yeah, there's an extended sequ- interview with um, Barbara Crampton where she, you know, talks about her career in the 80s and the 90s. And then after Castlefix, she explains how, you know, th- she wasn't getting the kind of work she wanted. So she start- set- settled down with her husband, started a family. And there is one really good bit where I think I'm not sure if it's in that part or if it's in the first one when they're talking about reanimator she basically is, uh, is like talking about the head giving head scene is like yeah it was um pretty intense and uncomfortable but you know it's kind of like oh the, these scenes push boundaries push at boundaries that we know are there just so you know we know how far we can go where to stop that kind of thing and uh, she's like but would i do it all again no <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what she says anyway. It's been a while since I've watched it. Um, so funny. I saw in that Random Roles interview with her, she basically talked about that she had a lot more scenes in Body Double. Like, I think she had three scenes and basically on the day she found out like, oh, you're only doing the, the sex scene. Yeah, I and, was very disappointed. Yeah, and she was like, I, Brian. I did it to work with Brian De Palma and I hope that he might use me again. And then mm. it, she said that one day she was like in a restaurant in like a mall in the 90s and someone came up to her and it was Brian De Palma. And he's like, Barbara, how's it been? And she's like, wow. Not well, bitch, and she ex- given me a role. She explained the story about like, oh, yeah, I did body double to, to work with you again. And, you know, would there be any chance of that happening in the future? And he was like, absolutely, I'll call you. And she's like, I'm still waiting on that call. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Brian. Give the people what they want. Uh, so she, she has a great sense of humor. Yeah, no, no. yeah. Any other things you want to talk about? I just really like the woman. Yeah. I just think she's great. She's, yeah, she's a super best. nice lady. She's just so many interviews. Like she's on every goddamn podcast. Her Twitter account is great. Yeah. she. Fi- I think someone from your next was like, you need to get on social media because like no one's going to hire you. <laughs> she's like, damn it. But I think she's just a horror vet. And yeah, she doesn't like the Scream Queen title because I, I don't know. I kind of disagree, but I think I think it's, a, it's wear a bit... it with a badge of pride. Yeah. I think yeah. there's more nuance to her think... variety of roles True. than just Scream Queen. Yeah, but I think a Scream Queen is like I would classify a Scream Queen also as like why refuse a, crown? a final girl? You know, like they're pretty <laughs> yeah. up there. Yeah. I think the the problem people have with Scream Queen is that. Jamie Lee Curtis is probably the only person who I think had a uh, major career outside of horror who was a scream queen. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says there's that. Yeah, people don't want to be limited. That's true. But Barbara yeah. Steele's in eight and a half. Right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, you Brief. can still yeah. work yeah. with big people, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Netflix's Castlevania. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think Barbara herself knows that she was slightly pigeonholed. More so with the, the soap acting, I think. But she's been like the money's good so you know mm. I think she's just a very good example of like a true working actor also a true working horror actor that like she kind of changes with the times and the decades and I think she has called herself like she wants to be like the Betty White of horror <laughs> so she just doesn't stop working she's just uh, especially later in life it's very good to see there's hope for us all yeah. yeah but Barbara if you ever want to come on the show and talk about it we'd love to have mm-hmm. you maybe she would she seems to be yeah. game for anything yeah. Um, rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from email I know that facepod at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out to the show uh, follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram thanks to Shani Fernandez for helping out and running our socials uh, if you love the show please consider donning five euro a month to us through Headstuff Plus where you can find special exclusive bonus episodes Katie anything you'd like to plug? Oh, Jesus every time <laughs> <laughs> third time's a charm I know I just have nothing check going out Ken on RT player. <laughs> yeah, I made it no I didn't uh, Andrew you can find me at the Headstuff Gaming section where we talk about what we play why we play and how we play it and you can follow us on Twitter where I'm doing a 31 Days of Horror recommendation thread uh, yeah. I think that'll be pretty fun uh, 
recommended some of the best horror movies I've seen and read my article on the 50th anniversary of the French Connection it's the first film one I've written in a while and I thought I did pretty good on it Stephen where can people find more of your work check me out at geo.ie and at headstuff film section see you later soon bye bye ciao This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.